Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Um, so, so I want to talk today, I wanna, this is our first in the series, uh, we're going through the book of Philippians for July, and in August we're going to go through the book of Colossians. So what would really help is if you did your homework and, and read through those books. They're easy to read, four chapters in Philippians and, um, and a few more in, uh, in Colossians. So anyway, I want you to take your Bibles and before we go to Corinthians, or, or sorry, Philippians, I want you to go to Acts chapter 19. <clears throat> want to give us a little bit of an outlaw of, <laughs> outlaw, outline of, of where this came from. Um, The book of Philippians, I read through it a few times this week, and it really seems like it's a thank you letter for an offering that was given. It's how it it seems to be written. Paul starts it off that way. But the circumstance in which he's writing them, this this little epistle, is one uh, that I want to more focus on today. So how did they end up writing the book of Philippians. Well, it starts back in Acts chapter 16. And, um, and like I said earlier, there's a, uh, there's, he, he began, a, they began a, him and Paul and Silas began a chain reaction when they started singing. But before that, how did he end up there? More than anything, one of the questions I get often asked is, how does the Lord lead us? I get asked that over and over again. How does he direct us? How did Paul end up in Philippians? It's an interesting perspective and thought here. So you look at chapter 16. I don't have this on the overhead. I wasn't planning on sharing it, but, but it's important that you, you, you hear this. Uh, verses six to 10. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Pergia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had told them not to go to Asia. The Holy Spirit spoke to them. Uh, This is beautiful, his life is directed by the Holy Spirit. So then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed to the province of Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, isn't that different? Interesting how he said the Holy Spirit, now the Spirit of Jesus, which they're essentially the same, but they seem to be different. Spirit of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He didn't let them go. So instead they went on through Mysia to the city of Troas, and that night Paul had a vision. He saw a man from Macedonia in northern Greece pleading with him, come over here and help us. So so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, for we could only conclude that God had called us to preach the good news there. Isn't that interesting? He gets, so I dream a lot. Sometimes I dream of you guys. Like, well, that's what pastors end up doing. They go to, they're concerned with the sheeps. Um, he, got a, he, he has a vision in the night of a man saying, come on over. When, whenever I have dreams about people, like directional kind of dreams, I usually wake up and go, really? Nah, I can't be, can't be. Does God direct us in dreams? Well, he did for Paul. That's how we ended up at Philippi. What an interesting thing. But here's what I've found, is that God wants to direct us individually, and it's very rare, there are times, that he'll speak to other people about your direction, but it's very rare. It really only should confirm what God is already saying in your own heart. (laughs) Because you have the Holy Spirit in you. 
And so we go by two things when we're getting direction from the Lord, by the witness within our heart and by the word of God. And so each one of us have access to that. And so whenever, especially, you know, and here's Paul, he's making a a life-defining decision, like where he's gonna minister. But a man in a dream shows up, and so what's he do? He said, well, we could only conclude, you just like his, his passion. He, I can only conclude God wants us to preach the gospel there. This was this guy's life. And so it says we boarded a boat right away and we sailed over so-and-so, and from there we reached Philippi, a major city in the district of Macedonia, Roman colony, and we stayed there for several days. Philippi was named after Alexander the Great's dad. His name was Philip of Macedonia. It was, uh, Philippi was a, a Greek, sorry, a Roman colony. So as you read through the first chapter, he says, act like you're citizens of heaven. He, the people there would understand that they were to take to Greece the culture of Italy. And they were supposed to enculturate the entire city. That's, that's what they did. And so he, it was a Roman colony and, um, and it was called, the city was called Philippi. And so what does he do when he gets there? So before he planted the church, or as, this is how he planted the church. On the Sabbath day, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where, where we supposed that some people met for prayer and we sat down beside some women and we began talking and the one he speaks to, of course, is Lydia, the merchant of purple cloth, uh, expensive purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and as we listened, the Lord opened her heart. She accepted what Paul was saying. She was baptized along with a whole bunch of others of her household, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agreed that I'm faithful to the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she urged us until we did. Said, would you just stay? What a, what a hospitable thing to do. So Paul decides to stay, and he gets up the next day like he would just normal day, and he's going to have to the prayer meeting, and on the way to the prayer meeting, this demonized woman begins to bother him, and uh, so he, he puts up with it for a little while, and finally he turns around, casts the demon out of her. This creates a little issue with the people who are using her to, um, in, in some fortune telling, and it says that the whole city was in an uproar, and so what they did with Paul and his accomplice Silas is they threw them in jail, not just any jail, but if you read, it says in the inner dungeon, and then they beat them with pieces of wood, uh, they, they're called rods, beat them with rods. Actually, they didn't just beat them, they severely beat them. Um, I don't know, sometimes I think life's a bit tough. You know, I had a toothache this week and I was going, oh, could use some prayer. Then I think of, I'm reading this and I go, well, it's not as bad as being beaten with rods, I guess. <laughs> beaten with rods severely and then thrown in, in prison and clamped their feet in stalks. And at midnight, it says that they began praying and singing hymns and the other prisoners listened. I think, you know, I don't mind, like when we worship, like because worship is different than singing. It, it, it takes into account both the sounds and the unheard sounds, because there's unheard sounds. Spirit travels on worship, and it can become an atmosphere that liberates. I just love what Joe and Nola are doing in leading the burn. It's a little bit different than local church, well, it's quite a bit different than local church stuff, but they got this passion to lead in continuous worship, and it's a beautiful thing, and if, I'd encourage you to look them up on their website and support them. They're doing a beautiful thing across Canada. Uh, worship is very powerful, and it's, and it's much different 
than, than just singing. It says when the, on the day of Pentecost was there was a sound. I think sometimes when there's, when there's collective, when there's all these different voices and all these different expressions, you, there's a certain sound that's in the atmosphere. And, and there was a sound of freedom. And so what happened is that the chains began to break off of their feet. And, and Paul is actually getting a little bit, he's a bit nervy because the, 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 the prison uh, keeper, he came and he found out that the prison doors were all open but people hadn't escaped. This feels like Sunday morning for me. Where the, where the prison doors have been f- flung open but people stay in bondage. Where we need a revelation that not only has God broken every one of our chains, but he's invited us to a life of liberty. Paul actually said later on in Philippians chapter three and verse 10, he said his life mission would be that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. It's, isn't that interesting to you? That he had, this Philippians was written 10 years after this encounter. And he'd met Jesus very powerfully. So maybe you've met Jesus, but my question is, do you know him? And on an ongoing, daily, regular basis. Maybe you've met him one day, but do you know him? Because I think that primarily faith in our life is not to get things from God, because God has given us everything in Christ. But faith by its very nature is more about trusting God for what he's already done for us. And if you actually know him as shepherd, then you will know him as the leader in your life. Because as a shepherd, he leads, we follow. Do you know him like that? Do you know him as a refuge, a place to go in a time of trouble? For some of you, you may need a refuge today. Do you know him as the liberator? Do you know him as the living word? Do you know him as the fountain of life? Do you know him as your provider? Do you know him as your comforter? Yeah, I know you've met him. Most of you here will have met him. But you need a unique and personal expression of Jesus in your life today. And Paul said, it's not that I've got there. This was 10 years or more after following Christ and doing amazing things, the greatest church planter in the, the world. He said, I, I, I want to know him. And the word know means to know by an experience, to, by an encounter that we've had with him. So he ends up getting, getting um, you know, freed and then the jailer ends up getting saved and his whole household gets saved. And then he gets up the next morning. Paul said, the jailer said, well, you, you know, you go in peace now. And he said, well, they've They've beaten us without a trial and we're Roman citizens, so, so you want us to leave secretly? You want us to sneak out now? He said, certainly not. We're staying right here until we get some fair treatment. He's, he's like, he's getting a bit nervy. Uh, he said, let them come themselves to release us. He's looking, he's actually looking, it's a bit nervy, isn't it? He's looking for a public apology. <laughs> and and I, think, I think that's awesome. I think worship makes us courageous. When the police heard their report, the city officials, they were alarmed to hear what happened and they came to the jail and they apologized. Then they brought them out and they begged them to leave the city. Paul and Silas then returned to their home, the home of Lydia, where they met with the believers and encouraged them uh, once more before leaving town. What a start for a church. 
Gosh, that would be easy to encourage after you just had that much liberty and that much freedom, after that much deliverance took place in your life. We're all meant to have those levels of deliverance. The book of Philippians, as we look at the, just the first chapter, um, I, I love how he says in verses three to six that I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. I believe this means their financial contribution is what I think it means, their partnership. Um, from the first day until now, and, and how many of us just love this passage where it says, being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The day of Christ Jesus was the day when Christ returns. He said, I'm confident of this. Paul is quite confident that the one that begun the work is gonna complete the work. God begun a work in each one of us, but he's not finished with us yet. He's gonna, he needs to complete that work. And, and here's Paul in a prison right into these guys saying, I'm very confident and I carry in my heart, I, I pray for you every day. Not just was he a worshiper, he was an intercessor. And this was all part of Paul's life. The pioneer becomes a prisoner and what tools does he use as a pioneer? Well, I love this next little passage here. He, he talks about, if you read, read it, I just wanna scoot ahead, but he talks about how um, uh, how he carries them, you have a special place in my heart, we've shared together in these blessings, and when I was in prison, and when I was out defending the truth and telling others, we were in this together. He begins then in chapter uh, one, verse 12, he says, and I want you to know, dear friends and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here has helped to, to spread the good news. There's a thing called circumstantial theology, which you need to be aware of. And it's theology that's created based on your current circumstance. Our theology comes from the word of God, <laughs> not from our circumstances. And Paul, because of his perception of who God, what he was like, was able to live on top of his circumstances. His circumstances were not on top of his. I don't know where your circumstances are at today. I know where mine's at. I know some things I need Jesus for desperately. But he said, everything that's happened, what was he, what's he referring to? He's been through some rough times. Can you look back and do a quick inventory of the last four or five or six or eight years of your life? And can you say that, that these circumstances have been an opportunity to spread the good news that God is my deliverer? Can, can you look back? Because many times we get stuck on circumstances because we don't understand them. Well, you're not maybe meant to understand all your circumstances, but we are meant to understand that we have a deliverer. <laughs> His name is Jesus. And he says, every circumstance I've used to promote the gospel, I love that. For everybody here, including the soldiers in the palace guard, know that I'm in chains because of Christ, and because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others. Did you know that people are waiting for you, your breakthrough so that they can have a breakthrough as well? They need our breakthroughs. And they need you and I to have fresh perspectives of what God is really like. He said, here's what he said. He said, this elite, these elite commando soldiers, the Praetorian Guards. Just imagine, so what happens is that they, would, they chained him to a guard. That, that, could, that could be a little bit embarrassing, it could be a little bit intimidating. I don't know what you think of Roman Guards, I think that they're awesome. Like with the 
plumes, and uh, they looked like they'd been in bodybuilding outfit, uh, like, and they're looking great. Those, those shiny things on there, that nice leather boots, and um, Paul's chained to one 24 hours a day. But he said, oh, that's good. That's good, because me being chained to him means when I start sharing the gospel with him, he's not getting away. I, you know, but, but it happens many times when I fly in an airplane, I say, God, just put me beside who you want me to put me by, and, uh, you know, I'll be faithful. And sure enough, he'll put me aside some wacko, and I go, oh, gosh, you know, really? Now I'm chained to you for the whole trip? Are you kidding? Paul didn't let his chains confine him. He redeemed them. He, he, he allowed his chains. He, he rather than, than condemn his chains, he consecrated his chains. Every six hours, those, those guards would change. That means that in a 24-hour period, eating, drinking, everything, no privacy, all of that stuff, he's witnessing to at least six or four different guards a day. And he said, every one of them know why I'm here. He did not use, allow his chains to restrict him from fulfilling his life mission. I don't know what your chains are, but I'm here to say that the Lord wants to redeem are chains. Your circumstance does not need to define your witness, your testimony, or your destiny. He didn't let it. I don't know, you're probably thinking of some reasons why you can't fulfill your destiny. They can't be any worse than Paul's. Here's a guy that's called to preach the gospel and he's chained it to a Roman guard. That sounds like, that sounds like, what were those two golfers? They went golfing and they loved golfing so much and on the first hole, one guy, hit their buddy died of a heart attack and so he said, that, yeah, it's been a long day. You know, hit the ball, drag, Andy. <laughs> he, certain things can kind of hold you back. <laughs> Maybe you feel you're in a, a dead-end job and you're complaining about your circumstance. Maybe you think you're in a dead-end relationship. Maybe you think your life's restricted by your income. Maybe you think your life is limited to your geography. I'm here to say that Paul later would say to Timothy, even though I'm bound, the word of God is never bound. His promises are still true. (laughs) This is a really big thing. There's some chains that we have by choice. Did you know that? Many times we have a choice of our chains. Your chain, your limitation may be your your perception of yourself, of the world, or of the Lord. Your limitation may be that you've chosen to stay in an environment that's unhealthy for a long time. I'm here to say you've got the power of choice. Unless you're married. Stay married. But you know what I mean? That sometimes we, we hang around a bunch of toxic, grumbly, small-minded people and maybe what the Lord wants you to do is get a new group of friends that can speak a little bit better, get around people who are going someplace and doing some things. You're not limited by your friends. We can be limited by our family. We can't pick our family, but... You can pick how often we're with them. Um, 
he says that he didn't let, you know, you, you've heard how they train elephants at the zoo, is as baby elephants, they put a stake in the ground and then they put a rope around their leg and then he learns at a very young age that they can't go any further than this and so when they're big and massive now and they could just go flick it, they don't because they've learned from a young age that as soon as you get so far, you gotta stop and then you live within that limitation. Some of us have been chained to a stake at a young age and we don't think that we're even able to do those things that are in our hearts. I'm saying don't let your chains restrict you or confine you. They didn't restrict or confine the apostle. Choosing to stay locked in a mindset or a mold or a perception or even an opinion. Later on, Paul goes on to say that about his critics. He was like a critic magnet. And, but he said, I'm not gonna let them restrict the witness of the gospel. He said, some of them preach for all the wrong reasons. Because that's okay, Christ is being preached. I love that spirit. They don't do it just the same as me. Nor should they, because we're all on a progressive revelation. Every one of us, no, no one of us have our, our revelation is not complete. We're working it out. You all are, we all are. Um, said some preach for all the wrong motives. And, um, and they said, but I know that as you pray for me and as the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, that this will all turn out for my deliverance. This is incredible to me. Paul carried around a get out of jail free card. He knew how to get out of jails. Why is he still in jail? Maybe you hadn't thought, this bothers me. Because he knows how to break open prison doors, just have a worship service. But yet he stays confined and he says that this is all, even your prayers and my worship he said, it's all gonna turn out to be okay. Listen, I just, you, can't, you can't be around Paul and not become absolutely, incredibly optimistic people. You should, when anybody hangs around you, they should just instantly, or in a very short period of time, lose their critical, grumbly spirit. And they should pick up this, no, no, we can do it. We can make it. They should pick that up from us. Because Paul carried that with him wherever he went. And then lastly, um, I love, I love his, um, what, where, where he ends up uh, at the end of this chapter. He says, just in verse 20 there, it says, I live in eager expectation and hope that I'll never do anything that causes me shame. He lived in eager expectation and hope. That word eager as expectation, it literally means to strain your neck to see better. That's what it means. It means like if you're at the Canada Day Parade and you go, you're like rubbernecking. That's what it means. He's, he says, I'm able to actually see a little further because of the hope that Christ has put in my heart. I live with eager, ex, uh, eager expectation and hope. I wanna do that. And he says, I live with these two desires that fight against themselves. One is to keep living and preaching here and the other is to just go and be with Jesus. What, do, do you ever feel that tension? Lord, just airlift me out of here. Like today be a good day for the rapture. We think that. And you know, let me just, just, just move me on up. <laughs> but, but he says, I, I'm torn between these two desires. I love being here, but I also know the future's gonna be extremely positive. I love what I'm doing here, but the future's gonna be so much better. You couldn't, you couldn't keep this guy in prison if you wanted to. 
because he's liberated in his thinking and he's liberated in his spirit and he's walking around a free man in prison. I love it. He's, and he's not gonna let his circumstance define him. My last point before we close in the song of, of worship is about Paul's incredible love for the Philippians. And remember, this is 10 years, about approximately 10 years since he's been there and planted that church. And he's got this incredible love and he says, he begins off by saying, well, whatever happens to me. <laughs> he says, eh, it's gonna be like, but whatever happens, live in a manner that's worthy of the good news about Christ and citizens of heaven. And then whether I come and see you again or just hear about you, I'll know that we're standing side by side fighting together for the good news. Don't be intimidated by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're being destroyed. I love this. Um, his, his love for these people went much deeper than, than uh, what I would call a reciprocatory love. Let me just rephrase this a little bit. Uh, I think one of the most profound truths in the scripture is about the love of God. And I find it quite um, a challenge to, when I study about the love of God because it, we're even told in Galatians that faith works by love. Everything, this whole thing works by love. But do you know that, that it can get a little bit distorted fairly easily? Very easily. And I, I started to do a little interplay on this because I'm, uh, I'm doing, a, um, uh, uh, every year I try to read at least one book on marriage <clears throat> and I was reading about it. Uh, marriage this weekend about sacrificial love. It's really, it's fascinating to me how, what happens. Now, none of you probably have dealt with this in your marriage at all, where you did something hoping that something would come back in return. None of you have done that, right? All the little halos, so beautiful. Well, in the Greek New Testament, it, it basically defines love by three different words. There is four, but basically three. But in the Hebrew um, language, there's, there's many. There's probably close to six or eight. But there's four that are predominant. And there's one type of love, and I've just thought about this so often, because, because there's a love. The, 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 you've heard me say before that the proof of love is the desire to give. Whenever you're in love, you want to do something for that person, or you, you just want to give, right? That's a beautiful, pure kind of a love. And, and many times we think that God's love, the agape love of God, is perfect love. It's not perfect love. It's a sacrificial love that doesn't need any response. Agape love is not a relational love. It doesn't need any response. For God so loved the world was was because of who he is, not what you would or I would do to him. So what, can, so what happens though, when you give, here's what happens, is you begin to, here's, here's, what, here's what Christ did for us, is that he bound himself to humanity by his gift. Now listen to me. When we give gifts, gifts are meant not to have strings attached, right? They're given freely. They're given with no strings attached. Now, now, every one of us here is guilty of giving and then wanting a little, a little something back, maybe. <laughs> see, do you see? But, but it starts off good. I just want to give. And then once you start giving, you go, hey, you could use a little come to papa. <laughs> you could use a little, right? What happens? The, the gift becomes manipulative. 
This is, this is one of the paradoxes of Scripture. The, the, the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, one of the words for love is rachav, and, it, and it, it actually is referred to as perfect love. Because, so agape doesn't need any response. You and I are able to respond to the love of God not based on what he has done for you specifically because he gave unconditionally to you. For you and I to give because we are broken, fallen vessels, we often attach a little thing to it. And, and maybe there's somebody here this morning that's thought, said, hey, I've been serving the Lord faithfully. I've been giving faithfully. I've been going on missions. I've been going, I've been tithing. I'm a woman, woman, woman. Where's the payback? What's happening? Your heart is getting conflicted in a beautiful, pure thing. And it can very easily happen in any relationship. So, because here's what happens. When we give, we actually connect ourselves to these other people. Have you, have you noticed? That happens. That's what Christ did. He actually, we, he actually bound himself to humanity by giving his son. But he knew that's okay. So here's the conflict. It happens with spouses, it happens with kids. If you, if you quit doing this, you also will lose connection as well. Sacrificial love and or agape love, unconditional love, does not mean unconditional approval. Doesn't mean that you being, doing dumb things that God approves of it. Because he just gives because that's who he is. He cannot, he can't compromise his character. But, but the meaning of the word perfect love is a love that is, or we could call it like this, we could call it love that's complete. So, what, so how can we complete his love for us? By responding to his love. And that's called completed love. If you're always giving and it's always one-sided, pretty soon you may get a little bit tired but there's another form of love, and that is a love that's not just experienced, ah, uh, isn't that nice, but a love that wakes up something within you and causes you to respond to that love. And that's what Jesus did for you and I. He gave unconditionally of his son. So now you and I get to choose eternity. Where will we spend eternity? We get to choose that. Will we respond to his love and his advances towards us. And that's what Paul, it seemed like Paul, his love for the Philippians was a love that they couldn't help but respond to. He was pretty competent, or confident at the end that things were gonna work out all right, but he didn't need them to do anything for him. Anytime that we give something and we expect something back, that is called bribery or extortion, and it will not work in a relationship very long. Maybe you've found that. Maybe you've found that giving something and wanting a little something back eventually plays out and wears out. There's another, there's another dimension of love that the Lord wants to empower us with today. As we close, I want to um, ask us a, a, a simple question. <clears throat> Will you respond to God's love? Because he's committed himself to you. Our response is that we will not take our circumstance and let it rule over us. Our response to his love is understanding that he is not only my savior, but he's my deliverer.
Our response is understanding that when I position my heart right and my perspective gets straightened out, that there's nothing on earth that can keep me from the love of Christ. Life, death, demons, darkness, nothing. But my response to his love is me surrendering and submitting and taking those chains and saying, Lord, I don't understand these chains, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna surrender them to you. That mindset that says I don't deserve it, snap it in Jesus' name. That mindset that says, God, I can't trust him, snap it in Jesus' name. The mindset that says he's never gonna come through for me, snap it. Surrender your perspectives and your opinions and all your points of view and allow Jesus to come and renew your mind and give you a fresh perspective of who he is, who you are, and what your future holds. Would you just stand with me as I close in prayer today? Each one of us, We all get into limitations in our thinking. And we start to build worlds around those limitations. Today the Lord wants to create a brand new world for you of of that nothing is impossible. That that there is a, a world of abundance outside of your limited thinking. Today I declare over this body, every glass ceiling shattered in Jesus' name. Every limitation broken in Jesus' name. Every mindset that's ungodly and unhealthy, broken in Jesus' name. Every lack, every poverty mentality, any restriction in the name of Jesus, any, any chain that's held us to our past, no longer do we live there. We've got a future that's before us. Today, I declare your future is bright and your hope is sharp. We can live with eager expectation and anticipation of the good things that God has for us. Father, I, create, I ask today that you would create within us a thinking that would go beyond our limitations and lack of the day and allow us to see the great things that you prepared for those that love them. We are those who love you, and this morning we respond to your love. Father, I ask today for a brand new revelation of your goodness and your grace for your body in Jesus' name. We're going to close with this song because I think it's really powerful about the reckless love of God. Even though it's not reckless, it's kind of calculated. But it might seem a little reckless because you might wonder, how can God love me in this current state? Just leave that to Him, okay? As you worship, let the Lord just stir up fresh thoughts and fresh hope and great expectations. God, today I thank you. It's a new day. If you feel like you, things have, are by, holding you and binding you, we're here to pray. We've got a prayer team that'll pray for you. If you feel like there's anything that's keeping you from moving ahead, we'll, we'd love to pray for you. While we're singing, you can respond by just coming forward. Let's sing that. What you're playing, the reckless love of God. That one. Come on, just lift your hands and worship, Kel. Lift your hands and worship. Come on. morning is a morning of liberation and freedom. Father, I declare these chains are broken over the minds and hearts of these men and women that are here this morning. If you're feeling bound by anything at all, 
something in your past, some image you can't get over, any of that, this is the Lord is here to bring liberty and freedom this morning. Just come forward, let us pray for you, and then we'll wrap up and go eat. If that's you, just come on forward so we can pray for you today. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, oh God, today. Thank you for leading us in a greater dimensions of freedom. Thank you today, Father, not only have the prison door has been swung open, but the, praying, the chains of bondage are broken today. God, I thank you for liberty this week. Thank you, Father, for an exceptional summer. Let this be the best summer for each person that's here in the powerful name of Jesus. You're welcome to join us after for a little lunch through those doors. Walk people who are free and liberated. God bless you. You're free. Go and change your world.